for joining us as we hear an anointed word from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Take your Bibles this morning, go to Matthew chapter 4. We've been talking about the kingdom of God. If you were not here last week, you really need to get a tape because this is sort of a continuing process in your life, and it's going to continue probably until you die, so you might as well just get used to it. Because God is changing the perspective of ourselves, of other Christians, and of the church right now to come to a higher level. Say higher level. Higher you know, we sing that song sometimes, new levels, or levels. That's, that's what God is doing right now. He's taken sort of a remnant out of the basic church that's there. And there's nothing wrong with people who are in the church, but there's something wrong with the way we've been seeing things and the way we've been doing things that God is adjusting right now for each and every one of us. And if you get on board this train, you're going to understand that it is really a good train to be on. And your life is going to have more joy, more peace, less worry, less fear. And I know nobody's really interested in that anyway, but praise God. Hallelujah. All right, Matthew chapter 4. Look at verse 23. And Jesus went all about Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the, of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. His fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those that were lunatics, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. Verse 23, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of what? The kingdom. Notice, Jesus called the gospel of the kingdom the good news about the kingdom of God. He never called it the good views. He called it the good news which means what he was preaching is what basically God wants in our life. We found out last week that the kingdom of God is equal to life itself. In other words, if you're going to pursue the kingdom of God, you're actually pursuing life in abundantly for yourself. There's a place as you continue to seek after the kingdom of God and enter into the kingdom of God where you get more life on the inside of you. And by that, I don't mean you get a bigger Holy Ghost or anything like that, but you start living in line, in right standing with God. And when you do that, it frees you up more in every single area of your life. And how many know that decision is basically your decision? The kingdom of God we found is also the way. Say the way. way. Now, how many know if there's a way to go, you need to go the way it tells you to go in order to get the results of the way it tells you to go if you're going to go the way to go? Hallelujah. You have to get the tape. I can't repeat that. Praise God. (laughs) But yeah, there's a way to go. There's, There's God's way and there's the world's way. Now, we've been talking about God's way and the world's way, but let me just throw another another thing in there this morning. There's not only God's way and the world's way, but there's God's way and your way. There's a way that you want to do things. And what do we do? We're raised up in a society where we think we know everything, where we think we know what we're doing. We think we know how to live life. We think we know how to get the results in every area of our life. And pretty soon we found out that we do not know exactly what we thought we knew. The main thing you can understand is you've not arrived yet. You might not even be to the first town yet on your way there. Because when you start reading and understanding God's word, you find out why a lot of things that were in your life that you didn't know you went through or you did or ended up in, you found out why you did that. And most of the time it's because I went the wrong way. Right. Wasn't because God went the wrong way. I mean, no, he knows what he's doing. Yes. He created you. He knows who you are. He knows which way you should go. He's trying his best so that we live a life of righteousness, peace, and joy. But we're fighting against him on the backside of it so many times. And basically we've got to come to a place where we understand that Father knows best. Say, Father knows best. So what are we doing? We're slowly being conformed into his image and likeness, but also in his ways, his will, and the things that he wants to do in our life. And you're going to find out this morning, one of the biggest things that stopped that is something called a religious mindset. Say a religious mindset. All of us were raised basically whether we were 
saved or not, you still had a religious mindset. Before you were born again, you thought everything depended on what you did. Am I going, are you going to get to heaven? Well, I've been a pretty good person. I mean, does God love you? Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. Everything was based on us. But in the kingdom, it's not based on you. It's based on what he's already done for you. That's what the kingdom does. It opens up your perceptive and your way of seeing and doing things to a place where you understand how much God loves you and how much God cares for you. So God's way or your way. Say God's way, God's way. or my way. And you're going to find out as you get off of your ways and slowly start going in God's way and obeying what he tells you to do, many things in your life are going to improve in your life. You know, right now, modern medicine is running crazy, in my opinion, because everybody's got a problem. You've got a problem here, got a problem there, got a problem here. Most of our problems, you can stem back from not following what God has told us to do somewhere along the line, and it's opened the door for certain things in our life. So that's what we want to look at this morning. Thank you, Ted. Go back to verse 17. Matthew 4, look at verse 17. It says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is where? Now, how many know this was quite a while ago? And if the kingdom of heaven was at hand then, apparently it must be at hand now. We're not waiting, basically, till later on. The kingdom of heaven is here. Say, the kingdom of heaven is already here. Now, what has the church done? The church has lost the message of the kingdom. They, they don't even understand the kingdom. They're not teaching or preaching the kingdom, basically because they've made the church the kingdom of God. And the church is not the kingdom of God. The church is a small part of the kingdom of God. And so since everybody thinks they got the answer to everything, we have many denominations. Say many denominations. I mean, we got First Baptist, Third Baptist, Second Presbyterian, Third Lutheran, 64th, whatever. We've got all these denominations out there. So what did they do? They made individual little kingdoms out of it. And the Bible says a kingdom divided against itself will not... So the church is failing all over the place, isn't it? Because everybody thinks they got it. But notice, if you take the, the real good out of each and every Catholic and Methodist and Lutheran and Protestant and put them all together, you would sort of have the kingdom of God, but you still wouldn't have the whole thing. Everybody's got their own doctrines, but the only way it's going to work is the kingdom way. Say the kingdom way. So basically, and if, if you're a member of the Catholic Church at any time, the Catholic Church actually thought it was the one and only infallible, unfailing church. And if you belonged to that church, you were doing great. Well, we can see that ain't working because that church is falling apart right now. And I mean, no, the kingdom's not going to fall apart. So basically, what has the church done? The church has basically made it a point at that time to become the kingdom of God. But it's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is much greater and much bigger than our little church groups, our little governments, and everything else. The kingdom of God is so vast and so huge because how many know it came from God? All right, what's the second thing the church has done? The church has put the kingdom off till later. In other words, the kingdom will basically happen when you die and go to heaven. Well, then what's my point of being here now? Why should I be here now just to get saved? And then basically after I get saved, live 60 years just praying to get out of here and then basically die and then go into the kingdom of God? No, we already know that Jesus said the kingdom of God is here right now. Postpone the kingdom of God. Whatever you postpone, you cannot take advantage of it because it's in the future. Many people believe that the kingdom of God ain't come until Christ returns, till the king returns. I mean, well, that's even further off, for goodness sakes. So notice, but the kingdom lifestyle, according to Jesus, was today. It's right now. So we can understand the kingdom. We can move into the kingdom of God, and we can live a heavenly kingdom lifestyle here on the earth. What's that lifestyle like? It's Christ-like. Say Christ-like. Christ Remember when Jesus came, he said, if you've seen me, You've seen the Father. So what's the Father like? The Father's like Christ. What's Christ like? The Father. What's the Christ-like kingdom like? It's Christ-like. I'll tell you, if you go to heaven, you know what's up there? Christ-likeness. That's why it's called heaven. Christ-likeness. Now, God's trying to take some of that Christ-likeness and bring it into the earth realm through people who look like they're Christ-like. 
Go to Mark chapter 4. Look at verse 28. It says, For the earth brings forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the what? Now, how many know this parable is about the kingdom of God? It's talking about the kingdom of God gradually, 30, 60, 100 fold coming into the earth realm. Look at verse 31. It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when is sown into the earth is less than all the seeds that be sown. So are you saying the kingdom of God has seed has already been planted when Jesus came, and now that seed is growing? How many of you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? When you did, that seed was planted on the inside of you. There is a kingdom seed on the inside of you that desires to live the kingdom way because that's the way you were created to live here on the earth. That's your normal nature. You're not a sinner by nature. You're not terrible by nature. You're not a loser by nature. You're not a failure by nature. You were born again, and now you are, have a Christ-like nature on the inside of you, and that's the kingdom nature that needs to come out. But somebody said it this morning about perception. Was that Charlene or whatever? You see yourself still as you used to be rather than who you are now in the kingdom of God as a king. Say, I'm a king. I'm a king. Say, I'm a, queen. I'm a queen. Say that for both people so both people get in there. Praise God. So you're a king and you're a queen and Christ's likeness is the thing of the kingdom and the kingdom is gradually increasing in your life. Now, if, if we, there's no kingdom does not come till Jesus comes back or the kingdom comes till you die, then the purpose for your existence has been eliminated. Because your purpose for being here is to rule in dominion with the kingdom of God and to bring the kingdom of God into the earth realm. If the kingdom of God can't come in the earth realm until you die, then what's your purpose for being here now if you can't See, we've eliminated the purpose for getting born again. Are you born again? Good. Are you going to heaven? Yes, good. Now just live like the devil. It don't make any sense. Now you're going to die and go to heaven anyway. You've got no purpose. You've got no plan. But every single person in here, tallest, shortest, black, white, bunch of hair, no hair. It doesn't matter. See, you've got an individual purpose, and you are responsible for filling that individual purpose. And the more you get in line with the kingdom of God and let God do what he wants to do in your life, praise God, you're going to change more and more and be able to fulfill the purpose that you were created to do. And, and happiness and joy come from doing what you were created to do. It doesn't come from winning the lottery. It doesn't come from having two houses on the beach. It doesn't come in from having a Jaguar car. It doesn't come from any of those things. Those things are temporary things. But fulfilling your purpose of what God has told you to do is what releases the joy that's already on the inside of you. All right, look at Acts chapter 8. All right, Acts chapter 8. Now we're going to talk about the early church just for a little bit here. Look at verse 12. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of they were baptized both men and women. Now this is the early church. Here's Philip preaching. And what was he preaching about? Now why would he preach about the kingdom of God if it didn't make any difference until after they died and went to heaven anyway? Why would they instruct him for that? But notice he says, I'm preaching the kingdom of God. I'm preaching the kingdom of God. Then I'm going to preach the king. Say the king. king. So the early church preached the kingdom of God, and then they preached who? The The king. Go to Acts chapter 20. Okay, that was Philip. Here's Paul. Look at verse uh, 25. And now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching thee shall see your face no more. So what was Paul preaching? What was Philip preaching? 
Now, I believe the biggest stimulus to the preaching of the kingdom of God is going to be because the world gets so bad that people are going to have to look to something else. I believe it's going to get to a place where they've tried this, they've tried that, they've tried this, and my God, you come along with something new that actually looks like it's going to work, they're going to run to the kingdom of God, run to get into know Jesus, and run to have their lives changed because of the way the world is progressing at this time. So basically, everything's crumbling around us, but we know the kingdom of God, hallelujah, is forever. How many of you know it's unshakable? How many of you know it's forever and ever and ever? All right, go to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, look at verse 20. Jesus himself is speaking. He says, but if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. Say, no doubt. doubt. Now, how many know he was casting out devils with the finger of God? So if he did, then there's no doubt, say no doubt, doubt. that the kingdom of God is available right now to each and every one of us and lives on the inside of us and is part of us. So there's no argument about whether the kingdom of God is here and can be lived in right now because Jesus himself said that. So Christ-likeness is available for each and every one of us. The way Christ lived on earth, we can live on earth. He did nothing that, that we cannot do because he was a man filled with the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost. How many of you are human beings filled with the power of the Holy Ghost? All right, go to Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to show you a key, say a key, key. to the kingdom this morning that's going to unlock a lot of things in your life. All right, Matthew chapter 4. Look at verse 16. It says, The people which sat in darkness... They saw a great light, and to them which sat in the region in the shadow of death, light has sprung up. Say sprung up. Now notice, here's Jesus coming, basically with the Old Testament scripture, and what's he doing? He's saying there's a people right now who are setting where? In darkness. And we all know from the Bible that darkness basically means ignorance. They don't know. They don't know about the kingdom. They don't know about Jesus. They don't know anything. They're living in sin. They're living in defeat. They're living in all this stuff that they shouldn't be living in. And Jesus says the kingdom of darkness is here. But notice, rising up out of that kingdom of darkness is a great light. Say a great light. The great light he's talking about is the kingdom of God that has now come back to the earth and is being raised up so people who are now in darkness, people who do not know how to live God's way, will now be able to find out how to live God's way and get the revelation of it because the kingdom of God is now at hand again. And Jesus never really defined the kingdom, I believe, because he was it. It's hard to define yourself. He was the kingdom of God on sandals. He was the kingdom of God on two legs. Everything that he did was part of the kingdom of God is what the kingdom of God represents. The character of the kingdom of God was already there. But notice he says there's a people in darkness, and what are they going to see? They're going to see a great light coming. What's that? The kingdom of God and all the provisions that they need and everything that they need are coming to them so that they can understand that there's a different way to live. God's way. Say God's way. way. All right, go to Matthew chapter 6. All right, Matthew chapter 6, you know this one, verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be 
So if we seek first the kingdom of God or seek first the light of the kingdom or seek first the revelation of the kingdom of God, what's going to happen? All these things that we're seeking will be added unto. Simply put, this scripture says, if you do it God's way, your needs will be met physical, social, emotional, and financial. But suppose you don't seek the kingdom of God first. Maybe you want to seek money first. Maybe you want to seek position first. Maybe you want to seek fame first. What happens? Well, if you seek that, all these things will be subtracted from you. Even though you get them, you'll lose them because they will own you. You won't own them. See? So people are going, if you're going after money in this world or things in the world, you better make a reverse. You better change it because everything that you got sooner or later is going to leave you basically because you either seek first the kingdom and everything will be added to you or you'll not seek the kingdom and everything will be taken away from you. Jesus explained this. Look at verse chapter 6, verse 19. He says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon this earth where moth and rust does corrupt and where the thieves break through and they steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt, where thieves do not break through and steal. Now watch this. For where your treasure is, there will be your what? Heart. heart also. Where's your heart this morning? Let's just do a check right off the bat this morning. Where is your heart this morning? Is it seeking the kingdom of God, seeking the ways of God, or is it making more money? Is it, is it fame and fortune? Is it finding a spouse? Is it doing this, doing that? Where, what's your number one? What is the priority in your heart? Until you get the opening priority in line, nothing else is going to line up anyway. So the number one thing is to seek first the kingdom of God or God's knowledge of how to live the right way. Why does God want you to live his way? Is he just mean? No. He knows how you're going to function physically and emotionally and mentally. And the best way for you to do that is do it his way because he's the maker of you. He knows what's best for you. He knows which way is going to work for you. He knows how to get you out of worry and fear and all those things. He knows what he's doing. But the problem is we think we know. So we just keep doing it ourselves. Or, you know, like we were told, I'm born again. My next step's heaven. I don't know what's in between, but that's all I'm going to do. No, there's a lifestyle of growing in the kingdom of God and in the character of God to coming to a place to where you can rule and reign on this earth the way you were created to do in each and every area of your life. So where is your heart this morning? I mean, what do you seek most? Well, I read the Bible three weeks ago. Well, good. You're really pressing in, praise God, to the kingdom. It's a great job. I'm very proud of you. Thank you very much. Well, I will go to church about once every six weeks. Great. You're really learning then. You've got somebody anointed over you who's really teaching you, praise God, and everything. Do you see what I mean? What are you doing? And this isn't a condemnation speech because you're going to find out in a little bit what I'm talking about. But if you're going to seek the kingdom, seek the kingdom. Don't pretend like you're seeking the kingdom. Don't let everybody know that you're seeking the kingdom. And I mean, seek the kingdom. Even when you come to church does not necessarily mean... Come on. Well, I got to go to church on Sunday. I was raised Catholic. I'd die and go to hell if I don't go to church. It's a mortal, big M sin. It's a big M. Oh, I ate meat on Friday. Oh, my goodness sakes. You know, all these things, rules and law. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the kingdom of God. Say the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. All right, go to Matthew chapter 5. I kept a lot of this in Matthew, and you're welcome for that, praise God. No problem. All right, Matthew chapter 5, look at verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of what? Now look at it again. Blessed are the poor in spirit. How many of you know every man born of this earth was poor in spirit at one time because they were born that way? Then you had to realize that you were that way. But notice, blessed are the poor in spirit, for sooner or later they're going to seek the kingdom. Notice what it says. For theirs is, say for theirs is. Notice, for theirs is. The kingdom. 
They don't just belong to the kingdom. The kingdom belongs to them. The kingdom of God. I mean, it'd be just great to be belonging to the kingdom, but here's an opportunity where the entire kingdom belongs to us. What is the kingdom? It's a kingdom of love. It's a kingdom of forgiveness. It's a kingdom of power. It's a kingdom of glory. It's a kingdom. And that kingdom belongs to each and every one of us. We just don't belong to it. It belongs to us. There was a guy one time that I talked to who'd been a Christian for a long time, and he was miserable. And he just came in to talk to me, and he said, you know, I've spent 20 years, and I've done all I can to, a, to atone for my sins. You know, I've fasted, and I've even sat in, with a sweater on that, that made me itchy and stuff. I did everything I could all this time, and I just can't find any peace and joy with God. I said, are you born again? He said, oh, yeah, I accepted Jesus Christ. I said, you're in the kingdom? He said, yeah, I'm in the kingdom. I said, well, then your problem is, is you're trying to use your blood to atone for what the kingdom has freely atoned for you. It's not your blood that's going to make a difference. It's his efforts that made a difference because he's the one that sets you free. And it, like a light bulb went on. He thought, oh, my God, I've just wasted 20 years. And he did. Because he was not taking advantage with the kingdom freely belonged to him. And forgiveness belongs to you if you're in the kingdom. It's just in there. That's it. Kingdom forgiveness is yours. All we got to do, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So what it was already there. So what did he do? He just said, well, I accept Jesus blood then I ain't going to do any works or anything anymore. He called me about two weeks later. He said, I am the happiest man on earth right now. He said, I've been struggling for years and years and years. Now what happened? It wasn't that God was holding out on him. It was his ignorance of what the kingdom had already provided for him that made him a setback in the point to where he was doing, trying to do it all himself and it wasn't going to work in his life. So when he found out forgiveness belonged to him, he got totally set free. Hallelujah. All right, go to Matthew chapter 11. All right, Matthew chapter 11, look at verse 11. It says, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there is not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So who is the greatest man ever born of woman? John the Baptist. Isn't that right? But notice, John the Baptist, notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of God is then greater than who? He, that sounds a little bit confusing, don't it? But why is that? Because they represented two different things, two different thought lives in the kingdom of God. John the Baptist basically presented a kingdom message of demand. Say demand. And it wasn't really the kingdom message. It was demand. What does demand mean? Demand means you better do this. You better do that. You better do this. Oh, boy, you better do that. So he brought a kingdom of demand. You better come and you better get baptized and you better change. Basically, he wanted people to get better. Say better. But Jesus didn't bring a message, basically, of demand. Jesus brought a message of offer. Say offer. offer. Now, if you can get from demand to offer this morning, your life will never be the same. I'm talking about right up here. Because we've all been raised in a demand atmosphere. And you better do this. I mean, if you came up in a religion like me, I came up in Catholicism. It was demanded that you be in church on Sunday. It was demanded that you don't eat meat. It was demanded. All these things was demanded. And I had no offers. I just had demanded. So Jesus comes and fulfills the law, and basically instead of demand now, he gives us offers. Why does he give us offers? Because he wants the best for us in our lives. But if you look at him as a demand, you're going to try to use your will to obey those things, and your will is not strong enough to obey those things. 
I mean, for years and years, I was a drinker. I knew I wasn't supposed to be drinking. I didn't have to have God appear to me in a burning bush and tell me to quit getting drunk or throwing up every morning. I mean, that was logical. Even my own body knew that was a stupid thing to do. But yet I was doing it. You know how many times I quit? Every morning. You know when I drank? Every night. Why was that? My will was not good enough to make, I shouldn't be doing this. I can't be doing this. I won't be doing this. And I kept trying, but it didn't work. So it's not a, a whipping up of the will. So you're, you're not basically, you're not, when you were born again, made better. We're not talking about better. But Jesus came and made people different. In other words, not only were you the same person trying to do what you could do and that's who you are. No, he made you different. What, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become. So Jesus didn't make you better, try to make you better. He made you different. And after he made you different, he gave you a choice. Whether you wanted to become more different or stay where you were at. So what did he do? He offered you things. He didn't demand you to do anything. I'll tell you, when I got born again that day, and the next day I got up and I was walking around, God never came to me and said, you better quit drinking. Telling you right now, brother, you keep right on drinking when you're in. How many of you know I could have kept drinking and still gone to heaven? Come on, I was born again. I had a born again experience. I had God. I knew God was real. I could have kept right on drinking if I wanted to. You know what would have happened? I'd probably never fulfilled what I was called to do. I probably wouldn't have lived past 55. It would have shortened my life. But God came along and said, you know what I've got for you? i got an offer for you. Deliverance. I went to the cross, and now I'm offering you deliverance. Now, you don't have to take it. You can choose whatever you want to choose. Do you want to choose deliverance from alcohol, or you just want to stay right down there near? It's entirely up to you. So I thought it was a pretty good offer. Come on. So I took the offers. He didn't demand me. I took the offers of deliverance. I wasn't worried about going to hell. I knew that I had a relationship with God all at once. I knew what was going on. But yet I was still seeing things as a demand. As long as I saw them as demand, my will was the only thing to get me free from those demands, and it's not enough. So it's an offer. The kingdom of God is just God. The kingdom belongs to all your all unforgiveness belongs to you. Joy belongs to you. Peace belongs to you. These aren't things you've got to seek. These are things that are freely given to you when you enter into the kingdom of God, and they already belong to you at this time. So you've got to change your demand mind into a kingdom mind. And when you do that, and I'll tell you the difference between the two, if you're living in a demand mind, you've always got a question mark in your mind. Well, I went to church and did some other things. I hope I did enough. I wonder if I did enough this week. I wonder if I did enough to please God, you know? Clean the toilets yesterday. Maybe that for God. That would do the thing. I just wondered. But when you find out that everything to you is an offer, it removes the question mark and gives you an exclamation point. All these things shall be added unto me. Praise God. My Father desires to give me the entire kingdom. It belongs to me right now. Everything in the kingdom is mine, and it's my choice whether I'm going to receive it or whether I'm not going to receive it. So it's God's way or it's your way. It's God's way or the world's way. Go to John chapter 3. All right, John chapter 3, look at verse 7. Jesus is speaking. He said, marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. Say, I must must be born born again. again. Now, what is this? Is this an offer or a demand? It's an offer, isn't it? It's not a demand. Boy, you better get born again. Well, when I read this scripture, knew the scripture before I got saved, it was a demand to me. What's God doing? Demanded me to come to Jesus Christ and make him my Lord and Savior. And then he's going to take away all my drinking. He's going to take away all my cussing and all my fun and all my partying. That's all he wants to do is take everything from me. He's demanding all this stuff from me. And he, 
No, no, it was an offer for me to finally step out of the hell I was living in at that time and to get born again into his kingdom, praise God, and then an opportunity to get free of all these things through the deliverance he had, which was freeing me up every more, but I looked at it as demand. And I wasn't going to do it, praise God, until it became an offer. And once it became an offer, I thought, my God, you know, he's actually on my side. He actually wants me to do this because he loves me. He's not stealing my joy or peace and all that stuff. I was killing myself. He was showing me the best way to do it in my life, offered it to me, then standing back, your choice. See, free will is a powerful thing, man. I'm telling you right now, you can choose either way you want to go on the thing. I could have chosen to never get born again. And on my deathbed, I couldn't have blamed God. You're letting me go to hell. No, you did not choose my offer of my son who came. And then once I got born again, all at once I thought, and deliverance was there, I decided that maybe alcohol wasn't that great for me. Maybe walking around, every cuss word coming out of my mouth wasn't good. Maybe hanging out 2 o'clock in the morning, partying these places just wasn't that good for me. See, it wasn't even in my nature to do those things. You were raised to be, created to be in the image and likeness of God. So if you keep drinking, how many know it's going to have physical implications on your body? It's going to have emotional implications on your body. It's going to have all these things on your body because your body doesn't want that stuff on the inside of you. Now, I'm not telling you not to take a drink. Don't jump back into demand. You want to have a drink? Have a drink. I've had enough drinks for all of you. If you want to quit, you want to quit? I've taken care of it. Budweiser and all of them are doing great, thanks to me. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. But I'm telling you what there was to me. There was an offer to come out of my misery, out of my stuff, but I saw it for a demand, so I thought I was going to lose out on something. But the more I started obeying his way of doing things, the more in my life I started finding out that I was free, praise God. I was getting freer and freer just by listening to... He knew more than I did for the first time. I always thought I knew more than he did, but he he went above me at that time, and he figured out, praise God, what was going on. Go to Malachi chapter 3. The kingdom of God is an offer from a loving father who wants the best for you. He's not trying to steal what you like. He's not trying to take away your fun. He's not trying to... He knows how it works. Now, here's a portion of Scripture here where probably 80% of the church don't even want it read, much less preached on. Matthew chapter 3. Look at verse 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. Malachi. Yes. They're pretty close together, though. If you find one, you'll be able to find the next one. Are you there? Verse 10, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts. I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there should be no room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time of the field, say the Lord of hosts. Now, what's the problem with this? You preach this stuff, and 90% of the church sees it as a demand. You better tithe. So they leave church. I'm not a tither. I'm guilty. I'm not a tither. I may even go to hell. I'm not obeying God. I'm robbing God according to that scripture. It's just terrible to do that. I mean, I guess, I don't know if I'm ever going back to that church again. Every time they want to preach an offering message, I'm leaving the church. That's just the way I'm going to do because they see it as a demand. It's not a demand. God is simply offering you away into kingdom finances that he knows work real well. And he said, if, if you'd like to, this is what you do. You just bring your tithes into the storehouse. And when you do, it gives me an opportunity to open up the windows of heaven and just bless your socks off before it's over with. It's an offer, but everybody sees it as demand. How many know you get born again, never tithe, still go to heaven? 
Peter's not going to be up there seeing how much you gave or how much you didn't give. It has nothing to do with it. But in this life, say in this life, God wants you to live a kingdom best life. And one way you can do that is turn your heart around and start to be a giver. And to do that, he brought tithing into the thing. So what's he doing? He's offering you a better way of life. Now, I can't go to him afterwards when I haven't tithed all my life and go to him and say, please bless my finances. Help me in my finances. He'll say, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Well, he just never blesses me, but he blesses everybody else. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Not because he don't want to. He is offering you an opportunity to jump into kingdom finances that are a lot better than worldly finances or your finances. And once you jump in, there it is. And what happens? It takes away all guilt. Because if you really know these are offers and you don't even do them, why should you be guilty? It was your choice to begin with. See, just remove the demand. Don't even go to the offer part. You'll lose your guilt and condemnation for a change because I just don't want to tithe. Okay. And I'll tell you, God says, no problem. It's up to you. I just offered it to you. It's up to you whether you took it or not. But if you take it, what are you going to do? You're going to move into my kind of finances because I want you filthy rich. I want you to have all kind of money. I want you to have all kind of houses. I want you to be blessing people every single way. When somebody walks up to you and needs cash, you just pull it out of your pocket, praise God, and you give it to them. And as you keep giving it because you started tithing and it gave you that giving attitude, I'm just going to give you more, praise God, and open the windows of heaven because somebody else down there needs it. And you've just become my distribution center because you received my offer. Not my demand. So if people understood that, they wouldn't mind hearing an offering message. Because it's an offer, not a, boy, you better tie. All they hear is, boy, I'm, I'm mad. All right, go to Matthew chapter 6. You know, we've all thought it. I mean, when we first started going to some of Rodney's meeting, my God, he talked on finances for like the first two hours of his meeting. I thought, get to the point. <laughs> Get to the joy. Get to the Holy Ghost. Give me a break. We, I got my check here. Pass the basket and get on with the service, for God's sakes. <laughs> but what was he doing? He knew the giving part was something that needed to be hit. And I'll tell you what, preachers that don't run from the message, it's going to break down stuff in people's lives. I preacher, you want to hang around because you're not going to like them at first. But you're going to learn to like them because you're going to understand they were right all along as long as they were preaching the Word of God to you. Yeah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Is this a demand or an offer? It's an offer to set you free of something that's been holding you in bondage for a long time because you haven't forgiven. And not only that, if you don't forgive, whatever you sow you shall reap, he can't even forgive you. He said, if you don't forgive, I can't forgive you. The kingdom of God is what you sow, you reap. You're sowing unforgiveness. I want to forgive you. I can't even forgive you. You tied my hands in the situation. So you walk around in guilt, walk around in condemnation, walk around in unforgiveness when he's given you a better way to live, a peaceful way to live, a joyous way to live. He's making you an offer. Just forgive him. And if you forgive him, I can forgive you. And you walk in unforgiveness and you live in unforgiveness. And what comes back? Righteousness, peace, joy. I mean, all this stuff, worry, stress, fear comes from this stuff. See? 
You're in unforgiveness with somebody. You're in offense with somebody. I'll tell you what, it just messes with your emotions. It messes with your worry. It messes with your fear. See, modern medicine can't cure some of this stuff. They can just sedate it. But God's kingdom will cure anything that ails you in your life, praise God. If you just line up with God's way of doing things in your life, all the stuff will start falling off your life. You no longer have to worry. You no longer be in fear anymore. You no longer have to get upset anymore. You no longer do these things. What am I doing? I choose God's way because God knows better and it's working a lot better for me in my life. But all these from God's are offers. They're not demands. So if you don't want to do what he tells you to do, don't feel guilty about it. Demanding you to do it anyway. And you're, prob- you're going to die and go to heaven anyway when the time comes. But there's going to come a day in your life and you're going to find out living in hell on the earth is not that much fun. You know, living in all these things. So forgiveness, notice it was offered to you. Say it's offered to me. It's offered. Right, go to Philippians chapter 4. People, well, I got to go to church today. It's Sunday. We always go to church on Sunday, bless God. We love to go to church. Don't like what he preaches, hate the music, but we go to church because we're supposed to go to church. That's what we're told to do is go to church. Let's go see who we can talk about at church today, praise God. But we're going to church. Glory to God. We're going to head off to church. Well, notice, you were never demanded to go to church. God offers you church. He offers you a minister anointed by the power of God to teach you and grow you up in kingdom ways so your life becomes better as you come and obey what he tells you through the Spirit of God. That's what it's there for. If you don't want to come, I guarantee you die and you'll go to heaven. He's not going to say, let's see, you went to church just enough times. You made it in the door. That last Sunday saved you. (laughs) See, but we think that way. It's not that way. If you want to go to church, go. If you don't want to go, don't go. I'll tell you who this helps, me. (laughs) Because it doesn't matter to me if you show up or not. It's up to you. I'm just going to do what I do. I'm going to get my revelation. I'm going to try to spit it into you and give it to you. And if you're here and want it and get it, fine. And if you don't want to get it and stay home, I can't do nothing about it. See? It's just the way it is. It takes the pressure off of you. It lets you live free. It lets you preach free. It lets you minister free. It totally frees in your life because it's not a demand. God never demanded me to preach. He offered me the ability to preach if I wanted to preach. And I said, I'll take it. Praise God, I'll take it. And then once you take it, you just run with the thing. See, but all these things, I got to preach. Oh, my God, if he sees me not preach this Sunday morning, Lord knows what will happen. And then something bad happens in your life. He's punishing me. If I just would have been to church Sunday, my car wouldn't have broke down. My dog wouldn't have got sick. You know, see, we're so much into demand mentality that then we want to blame God for all this kind of stuff. But there's a better way to live. And that way is God's way. He knows what he's doing. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be careful, stressed out, worried for nothing, but at everything. Let me help you here. If you're stressed out, worried, God says, let me help you here. Here, here's my offer to you. Just by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to me. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your lives in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful offer? Oh, I'm just so worried. God, take this worry from me. He's not going to do it. God, help me with this worry. He already did. He already offered you. What am I going to do when I start to worry? I'm going to say, hey, there's a problem here, God. 
Sorry, here's another one for you. Go ahead and take care of it. I thank you for doing it right now in the name of Jesus. I got a scripture on it. Praise God. Thank you very much. And go on living worry-free. Go on living stress-free. Go on living everything else. Pretty soon your blood pressure will line up. Pretty soon your heart rate will line up. Pretty soon your blood sugar will line up. Pretty soon all these things will start lining up in your physical body. Why? Because you're walking in the way of God now, and God knows that's best for you. See, he's the maker of you. He knows what's best for you. Now, how about if I worry my whole life and never use this scripture, and I'm born again, will I die and go to heaven? Yes. Yeah, you'll go, but you'll live in fear, doubt, unbelief, and worry for 40 years of your life. You will not be praying, Jesus, come back. You'll be praying, Jesus, come back, because you want to get out of here. See, we're supposed to be joyously praying for Jesus to come back, not out of desperation because we're choking down here and just holding on. We're supposed to be a joyful people who are glad to see the return of our king, not somebody who's going to pull us out of the pit again because he already provided for your pulling out of the pit. But you're looking at demands and not receiving from God because you're trying to do it with your will rather than just offering to God and letting the Holy Ghost get involved and take care of it in every single area of your life. Hallelujah. All right, go to Proverbs chapter 4. It's getting late. I'm hurrying now. I'm kicking into second gear. Proverbs chapter 4. All right, Proverbs chapter 4, look at verse, let's look at verse 20. My son or my daughter, attend to my words, incline thy ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thy heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and what? I'm sorry, what? They are what? Health to how much? Part of their flesh. Just the knees. No, health to all their flesh. So what's God doing here again? He says, hey, I've got you my word there with my laws and in my rules and in my ways. If you'll get in that and you'll see that and you'll meditate on that and you'll do that, it'll cause you to live in life in the kingdom of God and it'll be health to every single part of your flesh. If you get in the word of God and put that first place in your life, all these things will be a result of that. I'm giving you that offer. But what if you decide I ain't never reading that stupid word? I've got other things to do. You know, I've got Cosmopolitan and all these magazines that I want to read in place of it. Never read the word of God. How many know if you're born again, you'll die and you'll still go to heaven? That's right. See, it's not going to send you to hell. Get, get heaven off your mind, for God's sakes. Get now living on your mind for a trick. And what will happen? Praise God, be health to all my flesh. It brings healing to me. It brings life on the inside of me. It brings it all out. All right, go to Matthew chapter 6. I found after I got this revelation that when I had a, something on the inside of me that wanted me to pray, you know, you get that sometimes on the inside of you where there's an inkling that you need to pray right now. I saw it as a demand, but sometimes it was hard for me to do it if I was doing something else because I didn't want to do it at that time. But when I see now that it's an offer to bless my life or somebody else's. You know, when I pray in tongues now, I don't see it as, I got to pray in tongues today. My God, he give me that gift and topa, shek, I do it for about two seconds, say, I've been doing it for four hours. No, just two minutes and 32 seconds. <laughs> but now I find out it's an offer. He says, hey, do you want to be built up on the inside? Do you want to not have to use an energy drink anymore because I'm going to get you on the inside? Just simply pray in tongues, building yourself up. It's a free offer for you and a free gift for you. And so now when I pray in tongues, I pray in tongues with a joy, do you understand, rather than, I better pray in tongues, because if I don't, he's going to be mad at me, or something's going to happen, you've got to change that mindset over into a place of understanding everything he's offering you, he's offering it already, is free for you, and it's for your benefit, not his, 
You reading the word isn't going to give him more revelation. He's maxed out. But ain't that what we think? If I read the word, God's going to be upset. Why would he be upset? He knows the word. He is the word. You're not going to explain anything to him. See, whether you go to church or not, ain't going to change him. He's not going to fall off the throne if you don't go. He's doing it for your benefit. All these things are for your benefit because he loves you. All right, Matthew chapter 6. All right, where are you? Come on. Somebody got to know where the scripture is. It's the one about uh, love your enemies. All right. It's a 544. I knew it was close. Yep, Matthew 5, look at verse 44. Jesus is seeking, or speaking, but he says, But I say unto you, love your, bless them that, do good to them that, and pray for them which, and persecute you. Isn't that a wonderful scripture? He <laughs> wouldn't like to do that tattooed on your forehead. No, what's he saying here? He says, now look at verse 45. That you may be the children of your Father, which is where? Now he's explaining you how you can live as a child of God and a son of God, like God himself in Christ like this. What am I going to have to do? I have to love my enemies. I'm going to have to bless them and curse me. I'm going to have to do good to them that hate me. I'm going to pray for them in spite for you, that you may be children. Say children. Now notice, if I'm living and operating as a child of God, how many of you know that the inheritance of the Father goes to his children? So all things are going to be added unto me. Why, my daddy's got a bunch of stuff, and I'm all going to inherit every single bite of it because I'm living as a child of God. How am I doing that? By doing what he says. Now how many know you can, you can go your whole life and you can not like your enemies? You can curse them back that curse you. You can kick them in the knee who hate you. And you can ignore those who persecute you. And you'll still probably die and go to heaven. But it's going to affect your physical. It's going to affect your emotional. It's going to affect every single part of you, basically, in your life. All right, one more. Matthew 18. Are you getting this this morning? Yes. Matthew chapter 18, look at verse 3. And Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, except you be what? Converted. converted. Say converted. converted. And become as little children, you shall never enter fully into the kingdom of heaven. So what's he telling you here? Unless you become like a little child. Why? Because little children don't know which way to go. They're taught which way to go, and then they simply go that way. But we're not children. We're born of the kingdom as adults. We've already got our thinking process done. So we don't follow him. We do what we think is best for us. Not only does he have to teach us, he's got to erase us. I mean, the way we were taught, the way we learned was all wrong. And now God comes and brings us something completely opposite. At least a kid will just do it. But no, we've got to become his little children again because he wants us to be what? Converted. Say converted. converted. Now, conversion basically, how many know is 30, 60, 100 fold? It takes time to be converted to the ways of God. So the key is, how far will I go in the kingdom of God? How far do you want to be converted? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to tithe, but I'm certainly not going to forgive or love my enemies. You've stopped. 
See? Well, I'm going to love my enemies, but I sure ain't tithing. I ain't giving up my money. You stopped. See, your conversion depends on how far you want to go. I read a story of a pastor who, who had a church, and the church was growing, and every time new members came in, they get all excited. We want to do something in the church. We want to help you. Well, there's three new members that came up. We want to do something in the church. You want to help you? He said, okay, sign up on the sheet back there and volunteer to clean the toilets. And a week later, two of them signed up and cleaned the toilets, and the other one didn't. And the two came to him and said, how come you want to serve? Why didn't you... Why didn't you sign up to clean the toilets? And she said, I'm not that converted yet. <laughs> See, she didn't want to go any further after that. That was her peak. That was her limit. That was it right there. So the question is this morning, where is your peak? Where is your limit? Where are you going to stop being converted? Is it going to be just loving your spouse and hating everybody else? Is it going to be forgiving only few people and unforgiveness in the other people? I mean, the conversion is up to you, whatever you want to do. But notice your conversion is not for his benefit. It's for your benefit because he wants to bring you back into a place of oneness with him and alignment with him. So God has a lot of offers. When you read this book now, this week, you're going to see a lot of offers in there. And it's going to be up to you which ones you want to accept and which ones you don't. But don't look at him as demand. He's not demanding that stuff of you. He's offering that stuff to you. That's why you got up free choice. See? And your free choice will make the division on how much conversion you make in your life. So you'll slowly be converted a little more each and every day, a little more each and every day, a little more each and every day. That's what churches, I believe, are supposed to do. Help convert people into ways thinking of the kingdom of God. And the more they grow up, the more they grow up in the things of God. Praise God. All right. Hallelujah. Jump up. Glory to God. Glory, glory. Glory. I'll tell you, the best thing that can happen to you when people just get born again right away is start showing them what God offers them. Because when I first got born again, I mean, God spoke to me about tithing. I did it. I didn't ask any questions. I was so high if you can call it that, so on fire, had God all over me. I mean, he told me to go jump off the top of the reservoir, and I probably did it. You know, I was just, God was all over me at the time. But as that wears on, and you start to learn the wrong things and the wrong way of doing things, it's much harder to be converted all the way back to the other side. So when you get new people, don't say, okay, now you're saved. You better stop doing this, and you better go to church, and you better quit doing that, and you better quit doing that, because you just take them right back over into demand, and God's not going to like you. Do you ever hear somebody in a store little kids are running around the dresser or something. Jesus ain't going to like you if you don't quit running around. I mean, you just want to walk over and slap that person. That's not teaching that kid anything. My God, they're already scared of him now. They're afraid to do anything wrong, and their will's not enough to keep them from doing something wrong. It takes an offer and a spirit of God on the inside of you accepting that offer. Hallelujah. All right, lift your hands this morning. Hallelujah. Father, I just pray you've already given us deliverance for deliverance in the minds of every single person here who's stuck in a demand religious gospel. Praise God. I pray right now that every thought that was planted in them that is not aligned with your kingdom but is in line with the world's way, aligned with their own way, they would come to realize that they're not in the right way. And right now in the name of Jesus, I just declare every thought, every seed placed in your mind in the name of Jesus is not in line with the kingdom of God to die and be destroyed right now in Jesus' name. I pray for a complete erasing of the thoughts, the imaginations, the intents that that brought with it. And I thank you today for totally set them free to open their eyes. Father, you said when we got born again in the kingdom of God, we would see the kingdom of God. I ask you to enlighten each and every person here in their spirit realm that they may see the offerings that you are making for them that is for your benefit, praise God, or, or the person's benefit and for totally setting them free because of the love that you have for each and every one. Father, help them to relax in their Christianity. Help them to enjoy their Christianity. Help them to be excited 
about their Christianity. And Holy Ghost, I thank you for answering everything I asked you to this morning. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, we will see you Wednesday night for the finale. listening. For more from Treasure Coast Victory Center, visit us at mytcbc.com.